Hello, and welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are both somehow absolute nightmares. I'm your host, Laura Klein, and please be advised that this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, so pretty much like most podcasts. And my guest today is Cindy Alvarez. She is the Director of UX for PowerPoint at Microsoft. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about defining success in recruiting. So thank you so much for joining me, Cindy. Great to be here. It is, it is always lovely to, to see you and talk to you. Um, and now that we're talking to each other, nobody will weirdly think that we are the same person as often happens at, at uh, conferences for some reason. It does indeed. <laughs> Although I think there's, there's some kind of voice alteration we could be doing. We could oh. actually just be talking. Yeah, it could just be. Yeah, it's just the one of us. And, and you'll never know which one. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we look entirely different. <laughs> Yeah, this is the problem with being the, the uh, only woman at a, at a conference speaking. Uh, true. Anyway, let's talk about recruiting because this is something that I know you have done a tremendous amount and have given a lot of thought to. And uh, I love the idea about defining what success looks like in a role up front. So let's start with why. Why do that? Why is that helpful? So... I like to think that uh, no one has ever written a job description from scratch, right? We just, we go, we find one, we save as, and we make changes. Uh, and when you do that, you have something that looks like a very plausible job description. But what it will actually get you is a weird range of candidates. And if you're really lucky, you'll find someone who is magically what you wanted. But most of the time, you get folks where maybe none of them are the best fit, but then you end up looking and you're like, well, out of these six people, what's the best out of these six? When you could have had someone much better. Uh, and better and specifically I, for the role. Exactly. For your team, for your role, for your organization, for your maturity of product, there are lots of people who are phenomenal at certain kinds of companies or certain team sizes and are not great in others. <laughs> I mean, I a hundred. You know that I a hundred percent agree with that. As I, I as myself, somebody, yeah, am one of those people who is yeah. phenomenal in the right role and yeah. just not very good at all in the wrong role. Yeah, yeah, and it's I. I think it's I, it's almost a disservice to the people that you're interviewing to put out one of those job descriptions that is so cookie cutter because they can't guess whether they'd be right for the role. So then they just, I mean, I can't tell you when I'm hiring and I'm sure you get the same thing, how many resumes I get that are clearly just, we don't know. We're just sending it out to everybody because all of these look the same to us. And of course. if we were a little more purposeful about how we presented it, we might get people who self-selected. Yeah, we think of it as wanting the top of the funnel to be as big as possible because that generally seems like a good thing. But if you really stop and think about being the hiring manager, have you ever wanted to get 400 resumes and read them all? Like that's when we start looking for weird reasons to disqualify people. Oh, I don't like that font. I'm not going to look at hers anymore. It's just dumb. It's much better to get 20 resumes that are very tailored to what you need and then read through those and thoughtfully look at them and talk to people and ask some questions. It's just going to take you much less time and you'll end up with better people. Yeah. Speaking of reasons not to, to move people forward, I, I got one resume that um, half the text was backwards. Um, 
turned out that was an ATS problem. It was an applicant tracking system problem. Um, but I was, I was absolutely like, you know what? Just at this point, <laughs> I have been known to say, you know what? Just send me a goddamn text resume and make it as simple as possible because I just want to read it and I don't want to look at your charts and gra- and I don't really. But like, I also don't want to say no to people who do stuff like that and try because they've been given advice. But I know, I know. But I, you're right. Like 400, I, I literally had 400 resumes uh, two weeks ago for a couple of projects. And it's it's impossible. It's it's too much. You can't weigh 400 resumes against each other. These are humans. Yep. And Laura, I'll go one better. I don't even like reading resumes. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I can, I will put a bit in there that's like, if you want this job, send an email talking about why you're interested in it. Oh, you go cover letter only. I would much rather. I like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Because it, it's, look, I've been at Microsoft for the past 10 years, so you've heard of our products. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like it's asking you to do a bunch of research to talk about why you're interested in working for this product. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can find it. You can learn things about it very, very easily. And uh, then, yeah. yeah. And then tell me like, what kind of person are you? What kind of problems are you interested in solving? What are you excited about? Because that will probably tell me like, yes, we're going to get along well. You're going to fit exactly this hole in my team. Everyone's going to be psyched to have you. Or you are probably very good at another job, Mm -hmm. but not this one. Yeah. How do you, so that's an interesting thing because if, when you're saying like, just send me a Send me that cover letter and tell me what you, you know, what you would change about PowerPoint. Um, okay, that's great. How do you decide? How do you figure out what it is that you're looking for on any particular resume or not resume, sorry, letter or, you know, that you're actually going to put in that job description to attract the right kind of person? So I feel like people want to know what they're going to be doing and what kinds of things are important to the team. And so I'll try to think about why are we doing the thing we're doing? And that's often not the kind of grandiose, like, you know, PowerPoint is used by X million people or, you know, or if you're a startup. We know. know. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knows. And why is that actually important? Mm -hmm. I think there's like, there are some use cases where it is. Like if you are a back-end architecture engineer and you are super interested in building a service that has to have 24-7 uptime and it has like, you know, a billion subsequent hits, like, yes, absolutely. Talk about that because that is critical to your role. But for a designer, a researcher, you know, whether we have 20 million users or 200 users, we want to be solving their problems. And so it's like, Let's go a step deeper and talk about what are the kinds of problems we're solving? What are we excited to try next? How does our team work? Is this a giant organization? Is this a tiny organization? Do we believe in moving fast and trying not to break stuff? Or is this a, like, let's make sure that we're backwards compatible till the end of time? It's like, there are some things like that that give you that sense. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great point. I, I used to talk and I, I still do talk whenever I try to write up, you know, things about like, this is, this is what we do. I always try to talk about the complexity of the problem, but now I'm starting a lot more to talk about the complexity of the organization um, <laughs> and, you know, the complexity of the sort of work environment, because those are all kind of different from each other. Like you need, you know, somebody could be really good at solving complex problems alone. 
or really good at solving simple problems collaboratively with a huge group of people and all of the permutations thereof. Yeah. (laughs) And that's exactly what I think about when I think about defining success for a role is what does this team need based on the people who are here today and the product we have and the state of maturity and the way this organization works? Because I have had in my career people who were phenomenal at very specific things where it wouldn't, not every company would have been the right fit. I had one woman who is not the strongest visual designer, but you could give her the most abstract, hand-wavy concepts and she would make it into wireframes. And then everyone was like, oh, I get what that exec was talking about. Like, it is clear to us now. Very, very good skill. If you were looking to do something that was very visual design heavy, wouldn't have been a great fit. Yeah. I had someone else who could literally design with an exec standing over his shoulder, breathing on his neck. (laughs) Thrived on that, actually. Most people I know that would make them, they would want to, you know, stick a poker in their eye. But this guy loved it. And we had an exec who loved doing that. And so it was a great partnership. I mean, that is that is a really specific one to know. That one is very specific. People who are people who are very strong communicators. Yeah. People who are very good at anticipating problems. Mm -hmm. People who are very good at moving things forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like all of these have benefits. I think there's a a lot of benefit to having a balance of kind of introvert extrovert people, or since they don't always apply, loud people and writing people and convincing people. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, that's true. You got to leave space for loud introverts like myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I think that's, I think that's really useful. I, and yet so many job descriptions are written like, you will be making wireframes, translating those wireframes into pixel perfect, <laughs> you know, analyzing and synthesizing data from us. And it's just like, okay, we, yeah, we know what UX design is. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I think it sounds kind of weird too. Like we're always a little bit reluctant. Yeah. To put in the job description, like, hey, by the way, our CEO is a total micromanager. So, what? but, but yeah. here's how we deal with him. Uh, you know, that is honesty. So I, yeah. you're right. I probably wouldn't put that in a job description. That's why I like to get people into a conversation where <laughs> I might say that, you know. Oh, this that is, is absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely for the manager screen. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, here's the deal. How are you at dealing with um, difficult personalities? <laughs> Because I'll be your manager. I'm just making that very clear. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be me. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's maybe not in the job description. I really, uh, one thing that I um, that I recently did, um, I was helping a friend describe a job uh, called a design technologist, which is an odd job or, um, and also, or maybe it was, no, actually it might've been the design engineer, which is something that's like just a little weird and not every company has it. And so we actually just went through and we wrote a blog post. And I think, I think one of the things we put in there was like, this is what your day is actually like, you know, like this is what you actually do all day. And I think that's, that's always kind of an interesting one because I think sometimes we, we don't want to say like, okay, you're going to be in meetings for four hours a day. <laughs> like that's just, right, right. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I don't want to hide that from you, but the other four hours a day, you're going to be heads down on this, or you're going to be collaborating in like workshops, or you're going to be, I don't know, on the phone to legal uh, <laughs> if you're a PM, but you know, that's like, it's, if you go through and try to figure out like what, what, 
are a few typical days like, I think sometimes that can kind of help you get a little clarity on like what the job actually is. Mm-hmm. And then, but then you have to figure out what you want, what, what things you take in consideration when you're trying to figure out, okay, for this, I want, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go unicorn hunting. I don't want, you know, somebody who does absolutely everything. I want a human being who does some things well, and I can accept some things less well. How do you pick those? Yeah, that trade-off. Because we, our instinct is to be like, well, I want everything. Yeah, of course. Which you're not going to get because you're going to hire a human. So (laughs) what I've done in the past is I will write my own notes, but I also will grant I don't trust myself purely to hire because like many people, I am biased towards people like me. And you're great, I am also, Cindy. I'm biased towards people like you too. I am great, right. So but I would you know hire what? you. But I have discovered the hard way that a team of people like me is actually terrible <laughs> because a couple okay. jobs ago, I had that. I had two oh, people no. on my team who were very like me. We enjoyed each other immensely. It was not a successful, productive team. <laughs> That's a great um, point. Okay. I, balance, no, I get that. Balance is necessary. So yeah. for me, I know that I like a certain kind of person and also that I need more diversity of thought and approach and personality to have a good team. So I'll write my notes and kind of keep them separate. I will ask the rest of the team to brainstorm, open up Fig Jam, throw out your sticky notes. What are all the qualities you want in a designer? And everyone just kind of goes ham on that and puts a bunch out. And then we have a conversation about why. Like, oh, someone put this. That's interesting. How do you think that will help the balance of the team? Or what will, you know, what would that look like if you had a person who was like that? How would that help a situation that we've come into? And that helps us pick the most important things. Because there's always something where people kind of look at it and they're like, well, it would just be nice to have. And they're like, okay, forget the nice to have. Put them (laughs) to the side. What's the stuff we really care about? Mm -hmm. And then you might come up with a list like, it would be useful to have someone who is really good at communicating across different types of people. It would be really useful to have someone who could take some ideas and quickly prototype something out so we could look at it. Um, someone who is good at expressing their ideas in writing. Someone who has good intuition on how to do quick and dirty research. Hmm. These are examples of kinds of things people have said. Yeah. So then we get the list. And then the next step is, okay, how do we come up with questions or exercises to figure out, is a candidate this kind of person? And that is usually async because it's really hard to come up with these on the fly. So it'll be like, everyone go look at the fig jam. You know, sometimes I'll assign, you know, here, you take these two stickies, try and think of some questions, you know, that you've been asked or that you've asked before that might help us get to that. And then that's where I draw on my research background and I'll kind of look at them and, you know, rewrite them so they're a little less biased, but then we'll come up with a a set of questions. We're like, okay, we all agreed that these are the qualities we like. And then we collectively thought about questions. And here's a list of questions that we feel like would get us that answer. And even sometimes it's useful to think about what might a good answer sound like, what might a bad answer sound like. And this is not guessing the right answer, which some companies do and I find incredibly annoying. Oh, I hate that. 
it's awful. Like I, my job is not to read your mind. That's I mean, right. if my job is to read your mind, I do not want the job because I'm yeah, very exactly. bad at that. Exactly. Yeah. But it may be like, here is a kind of answer. This is a kind of answer where someone said, I couldn't do anything because I didn't have budget or because I didn't have buy-in. Mm-hmm. That you can get away with that if you're fresh out of school. If you have any experience, you should have found some way to work around it. Mm-hmm. Even if you were ultimately in an environment that was terrible, which happens, I completely mm-hmm. buy that, but you you had some things that you tried. Right. And then a good answer might be like, here are things that I tried. This mm-hmm. is, these are approaches I take. Um, this is what was successful and this is what wasn't exactly. successful. I'm, exactly. actually fine. I'm actually fine if they ended up not being able to get That's it done. Fine. That's fine. But it's like, you gotta, you gotta tell me what you tried because otherwise I'm gonna start, you know, ideating with you around <laughs> like, oh, did you, um, did you ask? <laughs> Well, I think the I think there's very few questions that I would universally say everyone should ask this. Right. But one of them is if you had it to do over again, yeah. what would you do? What would you do differently? Mm-hmm. Or if there was a specific obstacle, like, well, let's say that you didn't have a team that was biased against research, what would you have done differently? Let's yeah. say you didn't have this ridiculously compressed time frame. You had say three more weeks, and People who are thoughtful, who are humble, have gone through this. They have thought about it. Oh, yeah. Um, because most of us, like, it kind of keeps us up at night. Like, oh, if only I could have done this. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, people are like, would you have done anything differently? I'm like, I have so many regrets. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a fine product. It works. It's great. And boy, I would have done this, this, and this differently. But I yeah. didn't know that at the time. But, you know, but you'll get people who are like, well, I couldn't, so I didn't really think about it. Like, oh, oh. the project's over, so uh, I don't know, I guess. And you can tell, like, they haven't thought about it before. You can tell that it's not gnawing away at their soul Correct. at Correct. midnight, keeping them awake, just right. intrusive or, thoughts. Or yeah, people, no, I get it, I get it. You'll feel defensive about it, right? Like, <laughs> I did the best I could, and I'm like, oh, I know oh. you did, and also... I know, I always feel a little bad for that. Every so often, I, I, I will say this. If they're very young, I let them get away with it. And no one has taught them. No. And and sometimes, I mean, if you you are brand new, like, you really can't. Like, you just don't have any it's capital true. or power. Yeah. Um, but, man, it's, it it's kind of horrible. After you've been doing this for a while, you start to guess what their previous jobs were like yes. from all the little, like, chips on their shoulders <laughs> and all the things where they're like, yeah. Yeah, this was. Um, I mean, it was a. We it was a. It was a compressed time frame. Um, we only had two <laughs> weeks to do it, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I know exactly where you came from. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're and you know, fun. I think the rubric. The reason why I talk about a good answer, a bad answer, is because that changes by level, also. Mm-hmm. So I'll we'll talk about what would a good answer look like. For a university hire, what would a good answer look like for a principal designer? Those are going to be worlds apart. Oh, yeah. And I think if you don't discuss this ahead of time, people aren't able to on the fly make that judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about that because I, I think that's you bring up an excellent point, which is most of us aren't that good at. Well, okay, that's not true of you. You've, you're a user researcher. I mean, I've done user research. Like we're probably better at asking questions. Not on a podcast. We're not judging me. Um, but, but some of us have actually been trained how to, you know, ask without bias and that kind of thing. But how do you get other folks who are interviewing sort of up to that level where they can make these assessments? Because it's so hard and such a weird dynamic if you haven't done it a lot. Yeah. So one of them is the rubric. What might a good answer 
look like? What might a bad, bad answer look like? How does that vary by level? So just literally writing that out. Because um, then people have read it. They kind of like, oh, this is a thing to look for. This is a red flag. This is a good thing. The other is pair interviewing, which mm. I swear by it takes twice as many people. And also you generally have some people who've done a lot of interviewing and some people who haven't. Uh, so you pair interviewers and you put them together. And so when one person starts to ask the biased question, the more experienced person can often kind of, you know, oh, let me rephrase that. Or they can see things that other people don't. The yeah. less experienced interviewer can see how people are responding to questions. And the one that kind of kills me is that if you have a mixed pair, mixed gender, mixed mm. race, mixed level, you catch a lot of people who are not going to be good fits. Why, Cindy, would you like to elaborate on that? You don't have to. I think we all know what you mean. <laughs> I but you're welcome to. I've absolutely had candidates who directed every single question to the man in the room. Ugh. I have absolutely had candidates who gave long answers to the person who clearly was more senior and gave very glancing answers to junior folks. <laughs> and look, you're interviewing. You're supposed to be on your best behavior. If mm -hmm. on your best behavior, you still can't apply an equivalent level of respect to two interviewers, what are you going to do when we're in a stressful situation? I mean, nothing good. Exactly. <laughs> nothing good at all. Yeah, it's, um, it's especially interesting when you know the woman or person of color is the is the manager and is it and is it like introduced that way and yet I, this has happened with me where i've introduced myself as the manager and i'm interviewing with a man on my team mm -hmm. and i'm watching this and i'm like really like really this Do wasn't a trap <laughs> we didn't try to fool you we basically told you the power is here yeah. Yeah. Me, me, right here. Let, yeah. Let's that's be, right. Let's, that's right. Let's, yeah. It's, at that point, you're uh, tempted to send the guy out to get coffee, um, which I'm sure you would never do. But <laughs> uh, gotta say, temptation's there. Um, so some of this is actually, I'm, I know that I, I happen to know uh, your answer to the next question, but I think it's kind of interesting because I think it all ties together in this weird way. What is the hardest thing? about hiring or getting hired? So for me, as a person that I will describe as an unusual candidate, but I think as you've said before, as we get more senior in our careers, we all become more unusual candidates. Yeah. There's this realization that not every job is correct for you. Mm -hmm. In fact, there are many jobs that even though you are very talented and this team is a very nice team, will not properly jive. And it's hard to kind of take yourself out of the running. And it's as a hiring manager, it's hard to take people out of the running. You see a candidate, you're like, oh, wow, they worked at this really good company. They went to a great school. Their portfolio looks good. And also in our conversation, the way they approach problems or their temperament or like there's some other thing where you will not be happy in this role and therefore you will not be effective and it will just end badly and it's just best if you go work in a very different sort of organization. I've, I, the, the big one, so it's, it's funny, like the, the simplest, the simplest version of this is that I have worked with some phenomenal people who I loved um, 
who just hated remote work. And once they sort of identified, and you know, the last couple of years notwithstanding, this was actually before that, but once they kind of identified that, they were just like, I just, I was like, ah, you're perfect. But like, this is clearly making you unhappy because you don't work the way we work. You don't like working async. You, you know, you like being in a room, having conversations, collaborating. We're very like, you know, spread out everywhere and, you know, writing all these things down. And like, that's how we solve problems. And if you don't, I, I can't fix that. I can't make this team work a different way and I can't make you like things you don't like. So let's try to find you something else, you know? Um, so even like that level, but I, I, I absolutely agree with you that as we get older, we get more unusual. Um, and some of us didn't start out real normal to begin with. So that's just, <laughs> but As, you know, so for me personally, now I've just taken the tactic of when I am looking for a new role, I just start with an intro, basically like, this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm excited to solve. If that sounds like a great fit, let's talk. If not, I will not be offended in the slightest. Yeah. It's, which is like, it's funny because this is the candidate counterpart to the really thinking through what you're looking for in a candidate. Yes. Right. The, um, I saw, oh, it was fascinating. Um, somebody shared it with me. I should find it and link it or something. But uh, uh, an engineer um, was looking for a new job and she had written this whole blog post about here's who I am. Here's what I like to do. Here are the kinds of problems I am working on. This is my minimum salary. This is like, I want a, you know, like I want a remote team or I want a hybrid team or whatever it was, like just laid it all out and was like, if this is your team, I would like to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And if it is not your team, I would rather not. Mm -hmm. And like, I think when you get to a certain level of understanding of yourself, um, you can do that sort of thing, especially when you're quite good and your skills are quite in demand. Um, you can be a little more demanding right. yourself. Of course, of course. But it, it feels very much like the same process to me. Yeah, you're it saying, is. Like, it this is, is where it, I fit. And if you're a few years into career, like you said, you may not realize this about yourself or you may realize it and also feel like this is too arrogant. I can't do this. And I get it. That's fine. That's why as a hiring manager, your job is to think very clearly about what is the thing I need what is the kind of person who's going to be interested here? You know, I hired someone, I've hired people in the past onto Microsoft Teams who were really startup people. And I'm like, great, awesome. You are very smart. You are very talented. The reality is these are the paces we work at sometimes. Or this is the degree to which we have to interact with legal. It is never <laughs> going to change. Nope. And so I get it. Go work for a 20-person company. You will be happier. You will do better work. I'd love to see what you keep, you know, you, what you get up to. Let's keep in touch. But don't work here because it won't work for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or counterpoint, like the, it was very weird for me interviewing the last time because I was like, okay, so I know there's a lot of startups and stuff on my resume and like consulting and contracting. And I would like, to, like, I am, I am specifically looking for something different. I am looking for a mature UX organization where I can come in and learn how to like manage across teams. And this is, I will be pretty honest, this is not a thing I am naturally skilled at, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I have a lot of other qualities and you can teach me that stuff. And uh, you know, it's worked out okay. So, <laughs> but it is like, you really have to be pretty crisp about that. And I agree with you that when they're, when they're newer and they maybe don't have that insight, 
you have to work with the team to figure out like, okay, how do we find out if like, okay, they're going to say they're great at craft or they're great at research or whatever. How do we figure out if they're great in the way that we need them to be great? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's because you don't know, like, I don't know exactly. how I trade off against exactly. other people. And I, there was a recent interview with a candidate who was very strong, who was an excellent presenter, came out of consulting, gives you this background often, spoke very well, very crisp, very like, here's how we can tackle it, you know, had, had overcome obstacles. And it's not that that was a bad quality, but that I thought this will not actually be needed here. Like, yeah. you are not going to get in front of customers and present. You're going to be in a Figma file with people who are your peers, who are on different teams that you have to convince one-on-one. Your, you know, your smooth speaking skills are are great, but... Also, if you went somewhere else, they would be a particular advantage. Mm-hmm. And here they would just be, sure, that's great. Yeah. And finding out which ones of those people actually want to use is is nice. Um, yeah, there are definitely things where people are like, oh, but you know how to do research. And I'm like, I do. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm a manager now. <laughs> I manage designers. We have researchers. I would love to sit in and listen to the research and learn all the wonderful things, and I'm not writing a discussion board. <laughs> I will not do it. I would love to help you. I would love to discuss it with you, but yes. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it is fascinating trying to figure out um, how teams actually fit together well and how poorly we seem to have become at it looking for like that generic cog that fits into a place as opposed to you know it's a specific it's a specific set of skills and even if you do move to someplace else like especially large companies like there's lots of other places on your you know in your company in microsoft that need similar people it won't be again all of them but it will certainly be others so and you know i'd rather keep my unicorns that i find You have a you have an interesting story about how this has played out in your life. I understand, and I would like to hear it, please. Oh, uh, so twice now I have interviewed for jobs. Uh, liked the job, was really excited about the role. Thought like I had my like I could visualize like this is how I would go about it. These are the problems that I think are most important to solve. You know, kind of went through the whole interview. Um, was turned down. Later, looked on LinkedIn to see who they'd hired because it was a first product manager role in both cases. This was when I was doing more product management. And so it was really easy to go see like, well, who did they hire? And in both cases, the person that was hired was about as opposite from me professionally as one can be. Like in both cases, it was a very standard MBA having profit and loss running PM who started at Yahoo. Yeah. And it was kind of a relief. I was like, oh, (laughs) if that's what you wanted, I am glad that you did not offer me a job because I would have taken it and it would have been a terrible mismatch and we both would have been unhappy. Yeah. No, it's in that case, I feel now whether or not that was the correct choice for them, I have no idea. Right. right. Let's set that aside. Set that aside. We'll, We'll assume that they're smart people and they're making smart decisions. Like, they did an excellent they it was interesting they did an excellent job of excluding you as yes. not the person they were looking for but they didn't do it a very good job of 
attracting, you know, like all the right candidates. Like you could correct, you correct. could have opted out of that whole process and they could have sure. saved some time sure, if they said also, what they wanted. You know, this is also where sometimes when you're hired when you're applying, <laughs> you get into that kind of mindset of like, oh God, I just need to apply everywhere. So it's like, would I have thought about this carefully at that state in my career? No. I yeah, think I was not. probably you know, I'm going to apply to 30 different companies mm -hmm. versus, you know, my last role, uh, there were two. I was looking at two opportunities and I was mm -hmm. like, my current job is fine. These are two things that are interesting. If neither of them pans out, I will stay in my current job and I can do that however long. Yeah. And so it was very picky because I can be now. Yeah. No, that isn't. And I think you do, um, you, I think they might have also learned what they were looking for more through the hiring process. Sometimes that happens, especially at startups and places where they maybe don't know, they're still figuring out what the rest of the team looks like. Well, that can, humans, be, it can be in, you know. Humans are better at that. We are much better at seeing something and saying, oh, not that, mm -hmm. than starting from a blank slate. Oh, so much better. It's so much, it's, it's easier to edit than to write. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we have a principle on all my teams called the, the something to react to principle, yeah. which is like, you have to explain up front that this is what you're doing. So mm -hmm. that no one thinks this is like the written in stone final version. But then you say like, I'm just going to give you this thing for you to react to and correct because that will get us forward much faster. Yeah. Like, instead of an hour long meeting, I'm going to send you these eight bullet points and you're going to be like, Laura, these two are completely wrong. Let me tell you what they should be. And that would have taken us 45 minutes to hash out over Zoom otherwise. So look how fast this is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw some just random ones in there that I know are incorrect. It's your job to figure out which ones they right. Well, it's like that, the XKCD comic about someone is wrong on the internet. Oh, someone is wrong on the internet. It's like we see something that is wrong on the internet and we're like, I have to correct this right now. That's and we do. Yep. Fast. Yeah, we do. I I agree. <laughs> Cindy, this has been fantastic. I have had so much fun talking to you. And um, I once again, every time I talk to you, I, I learn something. So thank you so much for, for agreeing to do this. Thank you for having me. Um, that is all the time that we have for today. Um, I, I want to... I thank, thank Cindy for joining us. And um, I also want to thank all of you out there for listening and wish you all the best of luck with your own search, whether it's for a new job or a new employee. I'm rooting for you. <laughs>